Eurocine Spurs Cast, episode 533. My name is Paul Garcia and I am the host of Spurs Cast. I will be going solo for this episode 533 due to a few scheduling errors and it was a little tough to during the part of the week to uh, get some guests aligned. So I'll go ahead and um, go solo. It shouldn't be too long of an episode, but just bear with me um, as I go through Spurs Cast, episode 533. So before I begin this episode, I do want to uh, continue to promote this event that we're putting together i'm really excited for this uh this sunday if you're in the san antonio area so that's you know if you can make the drive down from austin or from a corpus somewhere around you know just the local areas san antonio cities uh we're, we're holding our, our spurs cast live event this sunday march 24th at the guadalupe cultural arts center uh the guadalupe theaters to be specific uh, i'm going to be joined by special co-host anthony a of energy 94.1 uh, a special guest also, um, actor Jesse Borrego and New York Times bestselling author Shay Serrano. Again, that's that's this Sunday, March twenty fourth, from five to seven p.m. Uh, if you stay after the after the podcast after we record, uh, we're actually going to be um, showing the Spurs Celtics game that Sunday evening, which I'm going to break down a little bit later here. Okay, so uh, I have about just three main topics before I, I get to previewing the upcoming games for the Spurs. Uh, let's first begin by recapping the last three games so the spurs are still on a winning streak they have not lost a game since the last time i recorded uh their their last three wins came against the new york knicks at home portland at home and then also um the warriors at home monday evening in the at&t center so um you know the spurs just continue to roll so let's go ahead and get into these games in a little bit more detail so on Friday night, the Spurs uh, returned to the AT&T Center. They they beat the Knicks uh, pretty badly, 109-83. This was more of a, of a revenge-type game for the Spurs. Uh, you know, they, they obviously, me and Colin talked about this last week, how they got embarrassed the last time they were in New York because the Knicks hadn't won, won a game in quite a while. And then, of course, the Spurs lost that night, and they made the Oscars. You know, everybody was talking about them just, just nationally, you know, because basically they were like a joke because they, they lost to one of the worst teams that's purposely tanking trying to get Zion Williamson. Uh, which are the Knicks. So the Spurs came back with a little bit of revenge there. They led by as many as 28. Uh, one uh, key significant stat from that game was that Jakob Pertl had five blocks. Uh, then on Saturday, on the second night of a back-to-back, the Spurs hosted the Portland Trailblazers. The Spurs won this game 108-103. It's a little, um, you know, this one was a little bit different because it was even though the Spurs did get a double-digit lead, uh, Portland came back, you know, and both teams kind of exchanged the lead back and forth. Uh, a significant injury was that the Blazers lost C.J. McCollum with 7:03 left in the third quarter. Um, so McCollum went out of the game, and, and he's going to miss some time now for the Blazers. So uh, the Spurs were able to hold off Portland that night. Again, Pirtle had five blocks, so it was back-to-back nights of him tying in one of his career-high stats in blocks. Then on Monday, the Spurs defeated the Golden State Warriors 111-105. Uh, they led by as many as 14, but of course the Warriors are the Warriors, so they they made a little bit of a comeback. They they they, they kept distance with the Spurs, but in crunch time it was Demar Derozan who scored six points in the last five minutes, and then Davis Bertans who hit a big three, so that the Spurs were able to hold off a, a Warriors comeback uh, from Golden State. Now Golden State was missing uh, two of their key guys, which were uh, Andre Godala and Demarcus Cousins, but. Uh, the Spurs, like I said, they, they keep on winning. And this is basically topic number two, which is kind of just expanding on this win streak that the Spurs are on. So they've now won nine games in a row. And that matches the Houston Rockets, who also had a nine-game winning streak at one time this year. According to Jordan Howenstein, the, uh, the Spurs PR guy, the the, uh, the Spurs have the, the longest uh, winning streak this season by any team aside from the Warriors. At one point this year, the Warriors won 11 in a row. So basically, the Spurs and Rockets have have the top, are tied for second for the most wins, uh, longest winning streaks for this season with, with nine in a row for the Spurs right now. So obviously, if the Spurs 
win their next game against Miami on Wednesday, it'll be a, a second best now to the Warriors with, with 10 in a row if they were, are able to pull that off. Um, just some some notes from the, this winning streak. In all nine games for the Spurs that they've, that they've uh, played in these games, they've led by double digits in all nine. So so you've seen them you know, continue to be getting those comfortable leads early. Uh, it's really tough for them to sustain them in some of these games. Um, you know, if you look at their uh, the numbers, what they say, it says that uh, even though they're winning nine in a row games, six of those games have gone down to crunch time. So again, even though they're, they're kind of building some decent leads, teams are able to make that comeback against the Spurs. Uh, and a lot of that does go back to, um, even though the Spurs are playing really good defense, it's just their offense. You know, the, the, if you're just exchanging twos for threes, eventually, you know, those, those other teams are going to be able to stay, uh, within games with you. And, and that's what it's showing right now at San Antonio, why they just can't put these, uh, most of these teams away when they do go, they do go up a lot by a lot. But however, the Spurs are, you know, six and zero in crunch time right now during these, this win streak. Um, so, so just some notes that I wanted to just discuss. Uh, they are uh, third on defense, so they are winning these games with their defense um, during this win streak, and they're sixth on offense. So this, the offense is still staying basically where it's been at all year. That's continuing to be a top 10 offense. Um, so some of the defensive notes, you know, I really, last week me and Colin got into the numbers. They really haven't changed a lot. Uh, I wrote a big piece on Monday that came out called um, the the Spurs the 2018-19 evaluation volume seven and in there I, I did some color coded stats that really show how much this defense has just transformed and it's kind of the same philosophy um, that I've been talking about ever since that Brooklyn game is that obviously you know the 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 the, the, the three key parts there are are Derek White out of the perimeter so he's stopping the the point of attack from uh, players penetrating getting past uh, the first line of defense out on the perimeter. Then when they do get uh, past the guards, then you got you got two really good rim protectors right now, guys that are really making uh, other players take tough shots, which are Demarcus. I mean, not Demarcus, Lamarcus Aldridge, and Jakob Pertl. So just by having two big guys, you know, over over six ten each, uh, that's is really allowing the Spurs to to really take away what 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 I call the easy points, which is points of the paint. And also free throw attempts. So, so they're doing a great job, Lamarcus and uh, and Jakob, of not putting players in the free throw line, of making them take those those long twos, those mid range shots, those short mid range, and and it's and it what it's happening is it's 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 kind of like a gamble, kind of what I mentioned last week, and also I mentioned in my piece. It's like the Spurs are giving up a lot of above the break threes. So those threes that that play that you know you, you see t- teams take off the off the, the pick and roll or over off the above the break three. Those threes right now, the Spurs are winning that battle because even though they're giving a bunch up, they're actually 29th right now that I just checked. Those teams are not making those at a great clip. So, and you saw that with the Warriors game where Clay missed a bunch of um, above the breakthrough. You saw Curry miss a few as well. Um, so, so right now that uh, Draymond Green as well comes to mind. Uh, that kind of is the shot that the Spurs are willing to give up, and and it's working in their favor right now. But like I said. If a team can get hot, they can stay within, uh, stay in a game with the Spurs and, and push them to crunch time, and, and that's what we've seen kind of in six of these nine games during the win streak. And obviously, they may meet a, may meet an opponent who's going to make more threes. On, they're going to have a really hot night, and that's going to that's that, that type of defense of giving up the above the break three is not going to pay off for San Antonio. So we'll see uh, if they meet that type of if that's the outcome that happens. Um, specifically, I'm looking at Houston. That's going to be a big game for them if, if how, how they're going to approach that defensively. Because right now it's working. I mean, they're just basically taking away all the easy points and they're letting teams have those above the break threes. Very similar to, like I've mentioned, to the Milwaukee Bucks. And it is working for San Antonio. Um, offensively, some notes that I, I noted it was that, um, you know, it's f- 
philo- uh, you know, stylistically, should I say not? Philo- I was gonna say philosophy uh, with the philosophy, but stylistically, they're kind of doing the same thing again on offense. They're 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 really taking advantage of the mid range shots. They're not attacking the rim as much. They're not attacking the three as much. Shooting a bunch of threes at a high volume, which has been their offensive system all year, and it's kept them very efficient. Because why? Uh, they take very efficient shots. You know, the shots that they do take from the mid-range, those, all their guys are really good, uh, accurate mid-range shooters. LaMarcus, uh, um, DeMar DeRozan, Rudy Gay, even Derek White's turning into a really good shooter. And then when they do give their three-point shooters shots, those guys are really good three-point shooters. So so it may not be a huge volume of threes, but they have really good sound three-point shooters in Marco Bellinelli. you got Bryn Forbes out there. They have uh, uh, Davis Bertens as well. And um, the other part of it is just the fact that they don't turn the ball over. You know, they don't beat themselves. And this is really helping them keep pace, um, even though they play at a slower pace, keeping an efficient offense on the court uh, night to night. And that keeps them at a top 10 level. Something I noted in my piece on Monday was that, you know, it, it's really weird to see a coach pop team, especially especially after the team we saw in the finals back in 2014, who was just known for that beautiful ball movement to now be 27th in pass passes per game. So, so as, as I looked at that stat on Monday, they were 27th in passes per game. And again, it, it comes back to who, uh, you know, pops taking advantage of who are, the, who, who are their core offensive players? Who are the guys that are going to get shots for them? Well, they're guys that are not known for, for, you know, it's just that they're the types of players where their strength are not known for moving the ball a lot. It's more so the ISO type game. So you got, like I mentioned, you got LaMarcus, the guy who plays out in the post or, or runs pick and pop. You got DeMar DeRozan, a guy who, who does a little bit, a little bit better, um, you know, in, more so in one-on-one than rather than spot up shots. You got Rudy Gay, who's a good post-up scorer, can also isolate on his own. And then now a guy who's turning into a really good playmaker for the Spurs is Derek White, who can do both, you know, run out of pick and roll if he needs to. We've seen him, some, seen him take some, some one-on-one shots and he's made a few of those now with the guys um you know right right there next to him he's made some of those shots so that's kind of why why this passing numbers aren't quite where they used to be back in the past with the Spurs it's just because Pop has built this offense around its strengths which is their 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 players their go-to players but those four players are most more so ball dominant players each of them and and the Spurs are finding a good mix to getting each of those guys you know you know their their possessions to run the offense to get to get to get their types of shots up to create for others and so you see that right now so during the the, the nine the uh, nine game win streak LaMarcus Aldridge is averaging 23.9 points and 1.8 assists. You got DeRozan averaging 21.6 points and 6.6 assists. Rudy Gay is averaging 13.4 points and 3 assists. And then you got Derek White averaging 12.9 points, but then also 5.4 assists. So one thing that I'm really I'm really interested to see when the playoffs do come, should the Spurs make it, which it looks like they are going to, just based on where they're at right now, is I really want to see, you know, how does having four guys who can kind of create on their own or for others, how does it work out of the playoffs? Because that's kind of what's kind of been missing for the Spurs, uh, you know, obviously aside from the defense. But over the, the, the last two years, like the year that they that they lost to the Warriors, and um, I think it was 16 when Kawhi got hurt with the ankle injury, at that time it's, it seemed like San Antonio didn't have enough playmaking around LaMarcus and Kawhi. It was just those two guys who could kind of create on their own, and that was kind of it. And then obviously the next year, uh, uh, Kawhi didn't play in that series, but again, even last year's team, it was just came down to kind of just uh, Rudy Gay and, and Lamarcus. You know, what could they both create on their own? So this year, as they go into the playoffs, you know, regardless of who, who the opponent is, they're going to have four guys that, when it comes down to crunch time, Pop has different ways to attack a defense, and it's not so easy to, um, you know, to, to just have, you know, they, they don't just have to rely on Debar to create to create for the whole team. They don't just have to rely on Lamarcus anymore. Now they have Rudy there if they need that option. They have Derek White who can kind of give you really sound uh, pick and roll playmaking ability. So I really feel like right now because of of you know having a, a 
a less ball movement type of system right now, it's actually going to be it's that's actually built a little bit better for the playoffs just because of the fact that they're going to have four different options where it's going to be tough for a defense to to just zone in on one player. Like, you know, you think of like Houston, they, they just have James Harden and, and uh, Chris Paul, who are their two creators. And so you can kind of zone in and try to fix your figure out your defensive scheme to just hone in on those two players. Whereas with the Spurs, sure, DeMar, uh, LaMarcus and DeMar are going to be their to, two go-to guys. However, they still have Rudy Gay that they can run a few possessions through. They still have Derek White there who they can also run possessions through. So I'm really interested to see if, if the Spurs can play this type of elite defense during the playoffs, you know, how far they can go with that, with the, with the really good, I would say, offensive type system that's built for the playoffs when, when, you know, pace gets slower, when it comes down to possession by possession basketball, the fact that you have four different guys that you can go to if you're San Antonio down in crunch time. So that's something to watch um, as the playoffs do approach within the coming month um, uh, later on. For the third topic, uh, I want to go into just talk a little bit about playoff positioning and where the Spurs stand right now in the standings and kind of, you know, how far they can move up or, or fall back. Um, you know, as of Tuesday evening that I'm recording this, they're currently in fifth out west. I mean, I, I put this on Twitter. The fact that at one point, San Antonio and Houston each spent time at 14th in the west. I mean, they were both 14th at one point in the season. And now you got the Rockets in third and you have the Spurs and Fitz. So that's just, you know, that just speaks to both their teams that they didn't give up on their seasons even when it was struggle when they were both struggling and they've put together really good runs and and it's worked out for both teams uh, you know, that they've been able to get uh, both the right now top 5 seeds uh, out west. So, uh for the Spurs where they stand right now, um they're they're one and a half games behind uh Portland for fourth and what, and so that means that, you know, they're they're right there on the cusp of getting a, a round one home court advantage if they can take that four seed from Portland. And you got to remember that Portland's going to have a difficult time to end the season because of the, the McCollum injury. Uh, you know, according to the, to the latest, um, I, I check Roto World, which is just basically updates on player injuries. Uh, they say that, you know, according to Woj in his last reporting that that CJ should be getting reevaluated within a week. So he's he's obviously going to be out a week for sure. Uh, you know, with that knee injury, but then also Damian Lillard, even though he's not a doctor on the team or he's not, he's not the, the official team personnel. He basically saying that he's basically saying that, that, that they may be without CJ for the rest of the season. And they may, they may get him back in round one of the playoffs. That might be the soonest because Dame basically wants him to be as healthy as possible. He says that in his quote, he said that basically if, if, if CJ needs the rest time, he can basically take off, you know, recover during the, the rest of the season with, with less than 15 games. And then they want Dame wants him ready for the playoffs round one so that they have their their team at full strength uh so so again that that could see portland starting to slip a little bit in the standings and so so there's room there for the spurs to try to take that four seed from them um you know if they keep playing good basketball even the third seed's not out of the question you know the spurs are only two and a half game backs uh two and a half games back from the rockets and that game friday night is pivotal because this is going to be a game that if san antonio wins it they can they can tie houston in their um head-to-head which is which would be a two and two if they lose it, well, then Houston wins the series uh, 3-1 this year. And obviously, if, if both teams finish with the tied record, Houston's going to get that um, in the um, in the end for, for a better seed. So, again, even even the third seed's not out of the question, having um, home court in, 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 uh, in round one. Then you look at what could happen if the Spurs start losing some games. Well, if they start losing, well, then they only have, they're only a half game ahead of Utah. Utah is currently in seventh, and um, Utah actually owns the tiebreaker against the Spurs. And the Jazz do have one of the have actually they do have actually I should just say it they have the easiest uh, schedule to end out west among all the all the playoff teams they have the easiest uh, schedule for the rest of the year. The Clippers, the Spurs, only one game back from them who are in eighth, and the Clippers and Spurs have a two-two series tied um, records that they, they each tied each other with two and two. So, so again, 
Um, if the Spurs keep winning, there's a really good chance they can move all the way up to fourth or third. But if they start losing, you know, they're not. They're they ha- even though they've they've looked great nine and zero nine nine in a row. Should I say? They're just not that far away from the Clippers or the Jazz where they can still fall back down to 7th or 8th if uh, things start slipping um, badly for San Antonio. Now, as far as making the playoffs, they're um, they're getting closer, you know, game by game. They're now um, seven games ahead of Sacramento, who's in ninth, And it looks like, you know, the Kings are just really struggling right now. They're 3-7 and seven in their last 10. Um, according to playoffstatus.com, a website that kind of looks at the Spurs' magic number for making the playoffs. Right now, they need six wins just to at least make the playoffs to, 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 to get that eight to get that eight seed just for right now. But again, that could that could get that that number could get lowered if uh, if if the if the Clippers start dropping games, or the Jazz start dropping games, or, or even the, the Kings specifically, they start dropping a bunch of games. Well, then it makes it easier for the Spurs uh, to secure a, a playoff seed, even though it looks like they they will do that. Okay, for the last part of the Spurs cast, I'm going to go ahead and preview a bunch of games. And this is more than I usually do. And the reason why is because, uh, as I've told you all, I'm going to uh, to be hosting the Spurs cast live episode 534 this Sunday. So really, there will be a podcast going up. On uh, on Wednesday this week, but then also on Sunday, so it's going to be almost like like you know two, two podcasts in almost almost a, a, a week and a half span. So um, that that they'll be basically um, on the uh, on the uh, what is the episode list? Should I say? So again, I'm going to go through a bunch of games here. I'm going to go through the next six Spurs games. That will take me all the way to the end of March, and then I'll be back with Spurs Cast episode 535 uh, right in the beginning of April. So, so these next six games, I know it's going to be a lot of information. Uh, just bear with me as um, you know this will cover cover previewing the, the, the Spurs' opponents up until uh, you know April, early April. So, uh, right now my Spurs Cast record I'm 43 and 23. I Got it wrong that game against the Warriors. Me and Colin both picked against the Spurs there, and and they, they proved us wrong, and the and the Warriors did lose. So 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 um forty three and twenty three is my overall record. Um, at home, the Spurs are twenty nine and seven on the their offense is seventh, defense eleventh. On the road, the Spurs are thirteen and twenty two, offense sixth, defense twenty seventh. So obviously, there's a huge difference there between how they play defense on the on the road compared to at home. And one thing to note, though, is that during the win streak, they're actually playing good defense on the road, too, During if it's, even though it's a small sample size. Okay, so let's first begin um, Wednesday, the day that this Spurs cast comes out. The Spurs host the Miami Heat. The Heat on the road are 17 and 16. They're actually a, a better road team than home team. Their offense is 23rd ranked. Their defense is 3rd ranked on the road, so they're actually really good. The Heat are actually playing very good basketball right now, 7-3 and three in their last 10. However, as good as Miami's playing, I still think the Spurs are playing better right now. And I'm going to take San Antonio in this game. So I'm going to take the Spurs over Miami on Wednesday. On Friday, this is a really tough matchup for me to predict. Uh, the Spurs are, go to Houston, so they're in Houston. Houston is 26-10 and 10 at home. They're fourth on offense in their own building and 25th on defense. Uh, the Rockets are, are just almost, you know, they're not nine in a row, but they're almost just as hot if you look at the... Uh, the uh, last 10 game statistic as the Spurs, both teams are nine and one in their last 10 games as I record this episode. So I'm actually going to take the home team here just because, you know, as much as I saw the Spurs defense play well in Atlanta and um, I think it was at Dallas, I still don't trust it entirely just yet. So I'm going to take Houston in this game. I'm very, very eager to see how Derek White guards uh, James Harden or, or even if it's Chris Paul, just kind of, this is a, a different Derek White we're seeing right now. The confidence level for him, his, 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 um, his uh, composure on defense, just everything for, that he does out on the perimeter is just is just really excelling game by game. And we've seen him um, have really good defensive games against Luka Doncic, against uh, Russell Westbrook, against, um, uh, you know, a, a lot of different players right now. 
uh, even uh, even against uh, before he got in foul trouble with Damian Lillard, he was doing pretty good in the first half there before you know he got in foul trouble. White, so I'm really eager to see if Pop puts puts White on um on a James Harden and how White uh, fares against him. So, but I'm still going to take Houston in this game. Then on Sunday, the day that we're holding the Spurs cast live, uh, the Spurs are going to go to Boston and play the Celtics. The Celtics at home are 26 and 11. They're 10th on offense and 6th on defense. This one was really tough for me, um, you know, just because of the fact that the Spurs are playing well. Now, I know their overall numbers on the road aren't very good, but I'm going to go ahead and give the Spurs the benefit of the doubt here, and I'm going to figure say that they lose to Houston, they get it, they get things together, and then they, they go out and win in Boston the next uh, on Sunday night, should I say. So I'm going to go ahead and take uh, San Antonio in this one. The Celtics, by the way, are 6-4 and four in their last 10. Then on Tuesday, the Spurs uh, go to Charlotte, uh, so they see Tony Parker for a second time this year. Uh, the Hornets are 21-14 at home, pretty good home team. They're 12th on offense at home and 17th on defense. However, they're 3-7 and seven in their last 10, so they're really struggling right now, is Charlotte. I'm going to take San Antonio in this game. I feel like at least, you know, even though their, their defense is, it's improved. I think it's improved enough to where they can win a game in Charlotte on the road. Then on Thursday, it's Manu Ginobili night. That's the night that the Spurs are going to um, retire Manu Ginobili's jersey after the game. They're hosting the Cleveland Cavaliers for the first time this year. The Cavs are really bad on the road. They're 6-29. and Their offense is 24th on the road. Defense is dead last 30th. Uh, I'm going to take the Spurs in, in this game. Um, you know, I think that the, 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 the energy, the excitement for Manu's um, you know, jersey retirement later on that evening is really going to fuel just the environment of the arena. I think it's going to be a really good uh, crowd environment. Not not as ruthless as it was uh, in that Toronto game where the Spurs, um, you know, were, were, were just you know booing Kawhi Leonard the whole night, but more so like just like a positive type of energy, but that's still going to be more, you know, you're just going to feel the excitement because you know the fans are going to be ready, the team's going to be ready to 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 honor Manu that night. So I really feel like that's going to help fuel the actual team on the on the court, and and they should be able to win that Cleveland game pretty pretty easily, even though Cleveland has been playing better at four and six in the last ten. Then the following Sunday. Uh, the Spurs host the Kings, Sacramento Kings. The Kings are 13 and 21 on the road, not very good. Uh, 14th on the road in offense and 16th in defense. They're not playing well right now. Three and seven in the last ten. Um, this one is a little tricky, just because on you know on both the observations and even the stats and everything just show that Sacramento has just had had a, a better matchup against San Antonio for some reason this year. They just played a faster pace. The Spurs just look like they're a step behind when they play the Kings. But so it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if the Spurs dropped this game. This almost seems like a trap game. But I'm going to go ahead and take them just uh, just because of the fact that they are at home. So I'm, I'm going to take San Antonio in that one. So I have the Spurs going five and one in their next six games. Um, I'll be putting up a Twitter poll. So if you want to you want to put your votes up, I know that I do this weekly uh, with the Spurs Cast Twitter poll. So if, so if you want to check that out, you can vote there. Um, so so we'll see how how that was, how the how the Spurs fare should I say in their next uh, six games. Um, so last few reminders before I close out episode 533, uh, continue checking projectspurs.com. Steven Anderson has his latest pieces up um, over each Spurs win, you know, the most recent one against the Warriors. Benjamin Bornstein, you know, March Madness is coming, so he's he's obviously written a bunch of different um, uh, Spurs prospects to watch, so you can go back through his archives and, and find some of the guys that he's written about and maybe watch some of their games if they made the big dance. Uh, the guy that he wrote about this week, though, is Spurs prospect watch um, Jalen Horde. He is a 6'8 um, forward from Wake Forest. So if you want to read Ben's latest prospect watch, it's on Jalen Horde. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, my latest piece is the 2018-19 the Spurs Evaluation Volume 7. That's looking at the Spurs on both ends of the court after 70 games. But again, I really feel like 
that there was a chart in there that I made that, that where I color coded, you know, green for, for being a lead and really good at different stats on defense and then red for being really bad. And you just see the difference right now. I mean, when you look at the overall stats, it's a lot of different red categories. But then you look at these last nine games where it was eight games at that point, uh, just a bunch of green, really elite stuff that the Spurs are doing on defense statistically. So that's there's a bunch of different numbers there. Um, you know, if, if you're on iTunes listening to this, thank you. And uh, leave us a rating or review if you can. Uh, again, Spurs cast live this Sunday, March 24th at the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center, the, the Guadalupe Theater, uh, with special co-host Anthony A. of Energy 94.1, uh, actor Jesse Borrego as my special guest, and also New York Times bestselling author Shea Serrano will be there as well as uh, one of my special guests for that episode. Um, for between 5 and 7 p.m., uh, we've been blasting this all over social media, so make sure you check it out. There should be a flyer um, on Project Spurs page, on my page, uh, and, and different uh, areas as well. Uh, lastly, thank you to Michael DeLeon for mixing and producing this episode. Thank you all for listening. Have a great day.